everybody, and welcome to Ace Comicals 131. Uh, as always, I'm Greg, and uh, I'm joined by Leon. Hey, hey. And uh, yeah, we've got a bit of a short episode for you today, a couple of books to discuss. Um, but before that, um, what else have we been doing? So, Leon, what have you been up to? So, uh, apart from listening to last week's app, which I was not on, which was a great app, guys. Uh, I quite enjoyed listening to uh, your thoughts, especially on uh, 2120. It, yeah. Uh, it was, it was uh, cool to be full circle on it. It was a shame I wasn't able to join you guys, but it, it, it was really good yeah. to listen. Um, but yeah, otherwise, uh, I have been to the cinema. I've been watching films. And the last movie I watched was Doctor Strange uh, <laughs> in the Multiverse of Madness. For some reason, <laughs> I completely forgot what the uh, subtitle was. But yes, Multiverse of Madness. And um, I'm here to non-spoilery report that I had quite a fun time with it. I think that uh, visually, it's really a really fun movie. It's nice to have Sam Raimi, a director I love, back and doing silly comic stuff and if not giving full reign because no one gets full reign apart from Kevin Feige on these movies to be allowed to let his freak flag fly a bit in in a nice way and really push the limits of the PG-13 in uh, yeah. wonderful ways. Uh, I had good fun with it. I do think it has, it's not a perfect movie by any stretch. It definitely has issues and I definitely think that some of the characters deserve a bit more screen time and end up feeling more like MacGuffins than actual characters. But I think that the the central cast are really good. I think the surprises are generally really fun. I think the set pieces have an, have an energy and uh, an excitement to them that... Uh, sometimes can be missed in some of the more by the numbers MCU movies. But yeah, overall, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the direction I went to and I'm excited to see uh, where they go further. And uh, I'll be interested in hearing your thoughts on it, Greg, when you get around to seeing it. I, th I think you'll find a lot to enjoy in here. There's some, yeah, not just like uh, comic nerdy stuff in there, but I, I think the general thrills of some of the uh set pieces or and uh action scenes in there you'll there'll be a lot in there for you to enjoy um and yeah i, I think that the like i said that the cast are, are pretty fun like some of them have been in this, these roles for like quite a while now and have built on them in in very interesting uh ways and yeah if as a as fun as a fun roller coaster, it is um, definitely a recommendation for me. Even though I do think the plotting is kind of overstuffed and weird in some ways, uh, it is definitely worth a watch. I will check that out. I, well, obviously, I'm going to. Uh, I just haven't gotten around to get into the cinema yet. Um, well, actually, no, I'm lying because I have been to the cinema recently, but I went to watch Sonic Two. Yeah, how was it? <laughs> really really good <laughs> way better than like it, it again it's like so the first sonic film completely surpassed expectations because i went in with low 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 expectations and then they've done it again so i go in thinking oh you know 
like I don't don't expect too much from it, Greg. Don't expect too much from it. It is literally a kids film. Don't expect too much from it. It's just Sonic the Hedgehog. But it was actually really good and really enjoyable. Like I, I really, really, really enjoyed it, and um, they nailed a lot of stuff. Yeah, because like like spoilers aside, because I'm gonna watch it yeah fairly soon. Uh, what is it particularly that made it work for you? Uh, in, in in like general uh, terms, knuckles, <laughs> knuckles is spot on, and like some of the robotic stuff as well. Like um, they they just get a lot. They just they just hit a lot of things dead on, like right on target with a lot of things. Uh, and when you watch it, you'll see what I mean. Um, it's. Obviously, it picks and chooses at what it adapts and what it doesn't adapt from games and things like that. And, and it, it's not, you know, but it, it's like a rather than it being an adaptation of what you already know Sonic to be, it's kind of like a love letter to Sonic the Hedgehog, mm. which is kind of what the first one was as well. Like a love letter. If you're an adult watching it, it's a love letter to growing up with a Sega Mega Drive. And if you're a kid watching it, it's wow that's sonic in the real world and they actually get it spot on for you know characterization and things like that tales as well tales as well um yeah i was just i was just fully invested in the whole thing so yeah yes uh, regular guest of the show uh marv uh, also had quite high opinions of it yeah um and then like what else? Oh yeah, I I started playing Earthbound because that's available now on the um on the Nintendo Switch. So if you are um like if you pay a subscription for Nintendo Switch Online, you get access to like a library of SNES and NES games that constantly updates. It's like having Netflix but video games. Um, and uh, there's. On the SNES games, Earthbound is now available, or probably has been for a while, because it, it was a while since I checked what was on there, and I went on the other day, and I was like, oh, Earthbound. And I started playing Earthbound and got sucked into that weird little game. And is this your first time? Yes, actually. Yes, it is. I mean, I've been aware of Earthbound. Like, obviously, as a person who plays Smash Bros, I know a lot about Ness, the character and everything else. But, like, I didn't really... And I knew of Earthbound, and I know a lot I, I had a lot of information already about what earthbound is and and everything else and i knew that people had reverence for it and things like that but i'd never actually like fully got in deep and experienced earthbound and now i am i'm like this is a very curious little game um it's kind of like a slice of weird early 90s americana viewed by people that don't necessarily live in america yeah. And it's 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 kind of like viewing America from the outside, isn't it? Or viewing yeah, like yeah. these these like um you know like these stories like the Goonies and things like that, but from an outside or or um ET. Cuz there's a lot of kind of like it feels like a lot of um like the Goonies or ET and all of that kind of stuff just coming together and just viewed from the outside in. Yeah, cuz it's it's basically like a, a group of kids, not many adults are part of it and they yeah. have to to take on this big uh threat thing together and band together using their different abilities. 
yeah, psychic powers and such. But it's like it's odd in 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 it's it's like so idiosyncratic when you sit down and play it, and like there's some really some quite unsettling stuff in there as well. <laughs> in the way that some of it plays out, because it's just so left field and weird, and some of the character designs, like some of the way that the adults are designed in there and things, like they just look like clown faces, and it's just so wrong and weird. But at the same time, it's it's fun and compelling because I just want to be in that. I, I just want to, I want to know more about this weird little world. <laughs> it's very interesting. I do enjoy it. Um, uh, how far are you through at the moment? Not very far. Uh, not very far at all, really, but I've been just enjoying just milling about in, in on it and just, you know, checking out different things, drugstore, buying new baseball bats, that kind of stuff. So, yeah. See, uh, I played it in the aughts, maybe mid late aughts. Yeah, as uh, it, it wasn't really a massive thing here until um, like Smash Brothers and we well, didn't get a UK release, did it? Yeah, did it? like I, I know it came out in the US. I'm not sure if it came out in the UK yeah. or Europe. Yeah, uh, at least on on the SNES hardware, but like. Mm. Um, I remember, like you'd always hear about Mother and Mother, yeah. Mother Two, and all that. So that uh, when, so I knew who who uh, Ness was when he first appeared in the N sixty four Smash Brothers and the subsequent Melee, which is yeah. probably the Smash Brothers game I played the most. And um, because of that, and all the lore, and then all the stuff with Mother Three, uh, like all that build up around it, that's when I did get around to playing. Earthbound slash Mother Two, like sometime in the late aughts. Um, I can't remember if I completed it, but um, it was fun because it kind of reminded me of, like, not not in any of the battle mechanics, but it kind of reminded me of like Pokemon ish, like the the traversal of like Pokemon, but with like a bit more JR- JRPG like elements in there, uh, especially with how that stuff bounces off its location and, and characters. But yeah. I remember having a good time with it. And I really liked the, um, the music, the soundtrack was really, yeah. really good. Cause it's, it's so different. It's not like, like MIDI versions of classical music, like a lot of games of that era period, but I'm sure it's like salsery and a, a bit of reggae. in there. Like it, it's, it's, it's very, um, it's very fun. And, and yeah, it, it also like underscores what you're saying with like how weird the whole like look like world is. Yeah. There's all sorts going on there with the soundtrack. It's, it's a triumph of weirdness. It's, it's so odd, such an odd little game, but it's at the same time, it's, it's so very cool. And I don't, I think the fact that, it has such a place in Nintendo history and its characters make it into Smash Bros and things. And it is regarded as one of the the, the top Nintendo franchises, isn't it? Mm. Alongside things like um, Zelda and Zelda games, uh, Mario games, Metroid games. It's one of the top. But, but I don't think they will ever make another one because I don't think they can ever make another one. <laughs> well, the thing is, is nuts as well. Like this game... 
uh, is like a, a proper Iwata joint. Like, yeah, this is before he was like a suit and uh, and he was a pure programmer. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't think they can make another one because I don't I don't think like. It... Well, the thing is, they haven't even yeah. released uh, <laughs> Mother Free in the West, have they? So no, yeah. they need to do that before they uh, before they make a new game. Yeah. Yeah. But never say never. Yeah. No, it's it's just the fact it's just the way the game is and from what I know about the Earthbound games I uh, and the mother games, I don't I don't feel like in this day and age they could make another another one that would I just don't think it would be the same or, or feel the same or hit the same or or have the same kind of weirdness about it. I think it would be a bit forced if they tried to make another one. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, but I mean, it depends. I, like, I'm less willing to be a, a never say never because yeah. someone might have a really good take on a 2024, 2025 Earthbound slash Mother game. So you never know. Yeah. But I can see what you're saying. Where for this particular thing and this particular element and how everything comes together uh, well, it would be kind of hard to get the lightning in the bottle in that right way. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's what I'm trying to say. It's exactly what I'm trying to say. Um, other than that, after watching Sonic 2 at the cinema, um, we're getting into comics now. I went and checked out some uh, Sonic comics, having a new renewed enthusiasm for the Blue Hedgehog. So way back when, we all know the origin story of the, the AC hosts. If you've... Uh, if you've listened to Ace Comicals, um, going back at, but like, if you've been listening to us um, regularly, you'll know that we all kind of grew up reading the UK Fleetway published Sonic the Comics. And we've discussed this multiple times across the history of the podcast. Um, but while they were being published in the UK and while we had our Sonic continuity told to us by those comics, which in my mind was pinned closer to what we were given and shown in the games, which I believe like they, they kind of like mirrored the zones, the games cloak more closely, kept it more, kept it neater to the, what was going on in the video games and things like that. Mm. Um, and then there was two Sonic the Hedgehog cartoons that were going about at the time as well. Um, there was another set of Sonic comics that were published by Archie comics. Um, and they were based on the 1993 Sonic cartoon that some of you will know as Sonic Sat AM, uh, which was like the Sonic Sonic the Hedgehog Saturday morning cartoon, which was the one that had the really rocking theme tune uh, and Sally the Squirrel. And um, that one was where it was Sonic and his, his like little group of freedom fighters against Dr. Robotnik. And... Um, the Archie comics were kind of based more in that continuity and they were like what we would have known as the US stuff, weren't they? Because I don't think they, did they ever get published in the UK? I don't think they, well, they might, I think they did later on, but I don't think you could get them when I was a kid. I don't think they were, it was something that would have been commonly available or common knowledge in the UK, would it? No. Yeah. Like, it's a thing where I, like, I don't think would have, you would ever have been in, like, W.H. Smith and then, and then there's two sets of Sonic the Comics yeah. there. I really think that, like you said, yeah. the Archie stuff was 
silo to, to there and maybe once Sonic the Comic died, then they started releasing like some over yeah. here to fill a gap. Yeah, but it, it's like it ran for 290 issues over 20 years, if you can believe that. And it was the longest running comic based on a video game in the uh, 2008 Guinness Records. So it was like by 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 2008, it had won a Guinness record for being the longest running comic based on a video game. And then it in 2015, it beat out Marvel's Conan the Barbarian for longest franchise, longest running franchise based book. Right. Um, and they were mainly available in the US, like I'm saying, or, or to my mind, they were mainly available in the US. And it's its own continuity, which was based off the Sat AM comics. Follow it. It follows the Sat AM TV show, but then uh, it does some other stuff. And I just find it incredibly interesting and entertaining to look back over these comics. Well, like, and then I think after a certain yeah, so it was based on the Sat AM cartoon, but then after a certain amount, a certain while, they rebooted it and brought it in closer to the games again. Um, but I still think that. You know, it, it's just incredibly entertaining to look back over the over over these two sets of comics and compare and contrast them, and the different types of stories that have been told, like my beloved Fleetway Sonic stories, and then the games, and then the the Archie comics, and then how from something from the the really simple games that didn't really tell you a lot. Like it was, it was like visual storytelling, but it was very, very simplistic visual storytelling. Like the closest thing we got to a cutscene in a Sonic Mega Drive game was watching Knuckles learn that Robotnik was actually like pulling his leg <laughs> in Sonic Three and Knuckles, where Knuckles finally learns that he's been tricked, and Robotnik comes in with the big grabby claw thing and takes the Master Emerald and Knuckles shakes his fist and then jumps on it and gets electrocuted. But like that's the closest thing you had to a cutscene for a Sonic game. Like that was the little bit of drama, right? <laughs> Before that, it's all explosions and set pieces because you're just watching different parts of the island go up, go up in explosions and things. Like there wasn't much story going on in Sonic the Hedgehog. It was just like this weird little world where you were this blue hedgehog that ran really fast and you had to save animals and stop this guy turning them into robots. And it's interesting how we managed to get like two different sets of continuity spawned from something as simple as that, like, like two different sects of the same religion, <laughs> almost. <laughs> Which a lot of people do, you could kind of view it that way, I guess, because some fans are very, I like the Archie stuff, and some fans are, like, I've spoken to fans before that are like, ignore the Archie stuff, the Fleetway stuff's <laughs> better. Like, especially in the UK fans, they're all like, oh, you know, forget forget those Archie comics, just listen, just read the Fleetway ones, you know. But then, like, there are people out there that will be, like, probably Archie purists as well. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how sure yeah. it will be, and how, like often along location lines that it yeah. will be separated. But but even then, none of it is like that close to where it actually came from. I mean, it, it it's like it has elements of the original games, but neither of them are actually, because the games, like I was saying, were very simple and there's very little going on story-wise in the games for you to be able to latch onto. 
And we end up with two different worlds almost spawned from one set of, of you know, like video games. And yeah, it's just and really it, interesting how that happens. Yeah. Uh, and like, there's like, from what I know, because I haven't really read the Archie stuff. Yeah. Like, the, the divide, another d- cultural divide there is that the UK stuff kind of has this like harder, more subversive edge to it which is in line with a lot of the sort of bigger writers who have come up in, in, in the yeah. UK and either gone to work for uh, the big two or like pretty much did 2000 AD. Like that whole more cynical, more... Uh, not Because not, edgy has such a bad connotation, but like uh, there's a bit more of an edge to, to the look. Yeah. There's a bit more yeah. of a, a, a sneering. Uh, 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 and less of a, a wide-eyed, bright optimism, which seems like a very more like US-centric thing. Where even dealing with like more dystopian stuff, there is still a plucky fight of the individual to to overcome, uh, to surmount the big things. Mm. Uh, like, so I can see from what I've seen of the Archie stuff, it it, it I, I can see how they would hew to that way and how. British audiences, especially who've grown up with that, will be like, oh, the the Archie stuff is nonsense, it's kiddie stuff. And then how the uh, <laughs> Americans will be like, um, oh, the, the Fleetway stuff is lame, it's like dumb and silly, doesn't make any yeah. sense. All these references yeah. are from from movies and fiction instead of being from yeah. games and blah, blah. I mean, you, you make it sound like it's Watchmen, but with Sonic characters, and it's not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like, the thing is, the... Uh, when you dial in on on something on anything the yeah. uh, the the spectrum of it expands <laughs> so like yeah. from from a, a, a the bird's eye view of a regular individuals <laughs> who look at this stuff they'd be like yeah it's all about sonic isn't it but like yeah. you you dial in <laughs> a bit more and then you start to see like yeah but uh, like the way that this shows eggman they made into robotnik and he's a joke blah blah and then eggman yeah. and this he's oh he's so dark and, and and evil and he's basically a yeah. brutal dictator modeled on mussolini and hitler and stuff like that so like you can, you can see how how like all the <laughs> things like oh it's about blue sonic who runs real fast how it, how it can actually like once you get into true fandom how it can like yeah. break down how it divides and breaks <laughs> down yeah i want to see frank miller's sonic the hedgehog <laughs> It would be something. It would be something. <laughs> Sonic standing there in a rain-soaked, polluted, like, uh, um, like Green Hill Zone. Like, this is where my parents were killed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is where my parents died by Buzz Bomber. Like, uh, Tails has an eye patch. Yeah. He's grizzled. He's seen I mean, stuff. If you find the right fanfic. You're gonna find all of that anyway, yeah. Also, listeners, these are our OCs. Please do not steal. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure all of that exists somewhere anyway. Yeah, it definitely does. Yeah, but I mean, it's like, like, yeah, it's like it's, a quantum yeah. universal theory type thing. Like, because yeah. we thought of it, it exists out there in the multiverse. Yeah. Um, because a lot of people, it, it's so. Like it, it's as it's something that I could probably sit and study is how something as simple as Blue Hedgehog runs from A to B and collects rings and defeats evil robots. 
can be interpreted in so many different ways and spawn such rich sprawling stories and like we said like all of these um like fanfics and things like that 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 have been spawned from it as well that are also have their own um again they have their own continuity that bounces off existing stuff and it's it's just mad um and all these adaptations and things and and it's from such simple and stark the games that were so simple and stark story-wise and all these different mythologies and adaptations that come from it. I mean, I love it. And I love that. I, I love these comics. They're pretty cool. They're short stories. They're great fun. Um, it was 2013 when they did the reboot and brought it in tighter with the games with the Archie comics. But still, like, it's. Yeah, I mean, the, the Fleetway books are always going to going to have like more of an influence on me and they're always going um, to. I appreciate that they captured my imagination first and that's where I'm always going to go. But these ones, these Archie books are great as well. They're great fun and they're totally worth your time. And, um, the, the last three issues, actually 288, 289 and 290 are incredible fun. Um, because they actually like full on adapt pieces of Sonic games, which is really cool. And I, I like uh, mega how drive. How far games in the game catalog do they get? Um, well, I think from, like, I mean, I've not read loads and loads of it, but I've been, a lot of what I've been reading is based on Sat.am. And then uh, I've seen that um, when, I've, when I've looked on the internet, like, on, like, various wikis and things, and I've seen that, uh, it, like, you get stuff that looks like it adapts the, um, the later Sonic games, like the, the kind of, uh, the pre, you know, like the, 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 previous gen sonic games that would have been released on 360 and and uh wii and things like that yeah the so they start period. to they start yeah they start to dip dip their toes into that because you've got like that where hedgehog sonic where yeah, the way i was just thinking yeah. of the way yeah yeah that that happens i'm sure it does because i'm so sure you tell seen... me that sonic's gonna kiss a human lady in one of these books i don't know <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if i get there um but yeah, it's um, it's great, and obviously, you know, like if I mean, I've got a lot of reading to do if I'm going to get that far, Leon. I mean, I'm only I'm only reading like the the very beginning ones, so. Yeah, and then yeah. I checked out those end three because I heard they were good. But That's yeah, when like, you mentioned the end yeah. three, I thought, God, do I need to have an intervention? With this guy He's read nearly three hundred <laughs> issues of Archie Son Sonic comics in like such a short time. I'm having a breakdown. No, no, no. It's, it's great. No, yeah. And um, yeah, it just, they're just little feel-good strips. And it's just nice to just be somewhere that's so bouncy and, and away from everything else. Like, and, and has no, nothing to do with the real world, full stop, <laughs> I guess is what I want to say. And it's really interesting, yeah. Uh, how, like, all these different, branches come off the same you know like one one stump which is the sonic games and and that one little bit of drama that one little 16-bit cutscene where knuckles realizes he's been duped like <laughs> i remember when i first saw that and i it blew my tiny mind leon it blew my tiny mind like it, it played out like a full cgi cutscene. it was head. operatic <laughs> it was it was like it was like an opera in three acts, 
and then like the the hidden palace zone and everything else and and just i remember when i first got to the hidden palace zone and my brother was in the bedroom with me and i made him shut up and i was like have some respect we're in the hidden palace zone <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it, it brings it back though because like like you said uh, it's different branches of the same religion and, and right yeah. then at that time you were in church yeah i was yeah the church of sonic three and knuckles oh yeah and i think at one time i had my own terminator-esque fanfic where metallics had taken over like skynet or yeah. something but yeah that's a story for another time <laughs> I can't remember. I think I think I've I think that notebook is long gone, and and that was like when I was like I, I think I was a teenager when I did that. But yeah. Um, so I think we're on to the first of our full review comics now. So the first one that we were going to look at was one. Uh, this was actually one of Rahul's suggestions. This is one that I came came about because Rahul was telling us to to check it out. Um, and I think he wanted to come on and talk about it, and we're going to get his views on it at a later date. But this is a book called Squire, which is by uh, Sarah Alfagi and uh, Nadia Shamas. So writer Nadia Shamas, art by Sarah Alfagi. I apologise if I have gotten your names wrong. Um, and this is kind of like a beautiful fantasy tale about history uh the, the main themes in here are history and how history is a tool for um the a tool of the victor i want to say in a bat in an empire or you know like um it's a tool it's a tool for colon for colonizers and victors basically it's a way to history used as a way to um erase uh people and to uh, as a as a as a weapon or a tool i guess yeah to kind of like yeah to like sort of create like new mythologies that they can use as propaganda and then yeah. uh in a way to create mm. a system where the the very same people who have been colonized or, or dominated end up having yeah. to uh, flatten their identities and fight fight for that same course. Yeah, you word it way better than I do. <laughs> um it's uh it's history um it's that saying history is written by the victor, isn't it? Mm. Like once once you've won and and there's nobody else left to talk, you can say whatever you want and that's what gets recorded. Um and yeah, it's it's like it's about growing up with a connection to two sides of a conflict as well, and the dehumanization of, um, of one half of you, the dehumanization of one half of your identity in service of the other, I guess is a good way to word it. Um, and yeah, it's uh, it's a really interesting fantasy tale. So, I mean, if I get your blurb for this, actually. So, um, 
Squire is a story that follows 14-year-old Isa, who trains to become a knight for a war-torn empire while hiding her true background as a girl from a conquered lance. Born a second-class citizen, Isa has always dreamt of becoming a knight. It's the highest military honour in the once great Baitsaji Empire, and as a member of the Ornu people, her only path to full citizenship. Now ravaged by famine, Baitsaji finds itself on the brink of war once again. This means Isa can finally enlist to the competitive squire training program. Um, and uh, yeah, so the story goes on from there and she is um, hiding her identity to enlist and to become a knight of the, the Baitsaji Empire. And um, she's been kind of suckered in by the glory of it all and the stories and everything that everyone tells. And uh, it's... As the story plays out, she she realizes that this this greater good that she is supposedly fighting for, um, the military the, the military promises that it so it might not include her, and and it might be, you know, it's actually not everything it's cracked up to be, and that you know she she kind of realizes the truth of 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 her people and the truth of the empire and the truth behind all of it as everything goes on and unfolds um and it's a really really interesting story in that way um so yeah like i was saying history is always written by the victor and the stories or or, or tales inspired by history will always reflect this as well um, and it filters down and it becomes ingrained. So this is the danger with, I guess, what, what this is as well is kind of like a um, a swipe at how fantasy stories uh, and, and fantasy worlds normally are in, in Western literature and, and Western fantasy comics or Western fantasy books, um, how y you end up having pe certain peoples represented as, you know, the... the <laughs> the the uncivilized uh or the the savage and things like that and it's actually um it's it's what filters down through from from that that colonial mindset or from that that mindset of the victor writes the history that's what filters down and that's what becomes fiction and that's 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 then ingrained and then and that's what what ends up getting to our youth and and that's where that's where they get their ideas from and it's a cycle if that makes any sense at all <laughs> mm. i think what i've just said makes sense i hope what i've just said makes sense <laughs> but yeah it's it's that kind of stuff and um you know when that that there's that moment when you do discover the truth about empires and their treatment of marginalized and, and conquered people and Yeah, it's, it's, you learn, like, it, you learn, you realise the truth and you learn and then you start to try and educate yourself otherwise and things like that. And, like, in, in like, um, our own experience, how we're groomed by media and historical tales used as propaganda to recruit for the machine of war, death and oppression and the dehumanisation of the conquered and the marginalised through the recording of history. So I guess we don't need to look much further back than the Gulf Wars. See kind of like um, examples of how that is um, or how that's been, how, how that has happened in our lifetime, Leon. 
for how history has been recorded and the dehumanization of the people over there in that area of the world and how you know it 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 filters back and and how that cycle gets more people to enlist and things like that you know yeah there's definitely a lot of uh analogs between stuff that happens like globally but like i guess for a touch point for a lot of us in the west like uh particularly things to do with uh middle east and the various uh western based wars that have have, have taken over there in, in the last uh two decades yeah yeah for sure and like um yeah the, the the other the other thing that that we get in this is like the erasure of all the like like the erasure of war crimes and things when history is written down and we only hear about the good deeds and we only hear about um like the 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 heroics and and they leave out all the ugly stuff from the books they leave out the, you know the war crimes they 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 to, because when you when you are the the victor and you write your history, you write it from your point of view, and you want to make yourself look golden and tall. And you're going to do whatever you can to get that message across, and you're going to erase all of your, you know, filthy and, and wicked deeds to, to scrub it up clean, to make yourselves look like the, the, the beautiful, tall, gold empire that you are and that everything else below you is just you know they're 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 cheats they're liars they're filth etc yeah. and it's an easier and, way to control the, yeah uh, the populace as well exactly yeah so like sanitized and tidied up history and then how um then then they let it loose upon the youth of a nation and that's that begins to influence the thinking of them. And then, and then like that filters down into the, into other media that we consume. And when we get fantasy stories that, that are analogs of actual history and things like that, it's all represented in there. Um, but yeah, I mean, so Leon, do you have any thoughts before I go in, go on any longer? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll just bounce off some of the stuff you bring yeah. up uh, as well as stuff that, Sort of resonated with me. Uh, I really like the characterization of uh, of Isa, um, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna say now as well. It's like as a filthy limey, I'm gonna mess up so many words, but um, yeah, I, I, I I've tried to research to get as as close to the right uh, yeah. pronunciation as possible. But I I'm terrible at pronouncing things at the best of times anyway in my in my native language anyway. So yeah uh that is fair warning but um, i want to add my name to that disclaimer as well <laughs> if i get anything wrong i i really do apologize yeah and we, we always yeah. like uh whenever we're corrected or whatever like that stuff is straight yeah. in the memory bank but um yeah, yeah i really like how in, like she's presented as like especially at the beginning she's plucky she stands up to bullies and she wants more from her life than what she currently has in, in what's limited she's uh she belongs to the Ornu people who seem to be at the bottom of the uh, caste ladder in, in this in this empire where they've been uh, it seems like they've been dominated and her people are feels like despised um, and belittled at the best of times but outright viewed as uncivilized savages um, 
at, at, at the worst of times and a, a part of a part of a, a an evil nation type thing uh, to to justify their their abuse and uh because of because of this it could she could fall into the trap of just being like the sort of the xp character for people reading who is like yeah yeah we want we want uh we want milan to to take over and be like uh the best uh military girl boss possible type thing and to overcome this stuff and show and like i love how that is completely uh negated and actually she is quite like uh disciplined and arrogant as uh she's told but and she's quite like impetuous and kind of like a brat and she could be quick to act or quick to quick to talk and, and get herself in trouble but she's not a bad person she's always trying to better herself and she's she's precocious and uh, she's willing to learn willing to put in the hard work willing to train and and has a dream and that dream is complicated as we go through the story and the dream sort of transforms into uh, a wider a wider bigger goal and i do love how how real she feels because of this and how she avoids being two dimensional by this by having this 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 hunger but also the way she interacts with her fellow trainees and and the other people who inhabit this camp this world of uh, trying to become a squire it, it's all done in a, in a like really nice multi-dimensional way that is quite fun and it's good that you're not always kind of on her side i mean you are in, in a wider context but she she can be kind of like like i said bratty and i like how um that her transformation kind of happens throughout the book and uh one of her core things is how she interacts with people she's willing to stand up for ideals and I like how that is also brought in with how, because she's part of the Ornu, uh, her, before she goes off to camp, her her mother and uh, her parents decide that she should hide the uh, the markings that they that their people have on their forearms so that um, she can pass as, as just a, a, a normal a regular citizen of, of uh, the the uh, the Bates Saji, and uh, and not be. So people can judge her on her character rather than judging her for 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 the uh, the the ethnicity she's part of. And uh, I like that how that is complicated throughout. And earlier on, like we see like so many different sequences of them being taught their propaganda. And at, at times she's like asleep because she's like barely getting any sleep and working so hard that she's sometimes missing just the the outright like slander that is happening against her people um and i like how that sort of builds up to to where we get uh, uh later in the book but like i think that is really like fun and i say fun in terms of like you just want to spend time with these people is how the rest of her like trainees slash friends who who are a mix of people who come from the various different nations like there's her friend who who's quite well off well to do who's part of the uh our bahari nation so i believe are like the island an island nation and yeah yeah they're like traders and uh, so they get to travel about because uh one of the things here is that 
to become one of the reasons that that it's beneficial to join the military is that they give you promises of you moving out of your station and if you become like a knight a squire and then knight you can possibly get to like own your own home and have freedom and be treated like an actual citizen and it, it does mirror and especially for like for us here in the west how like predatory recruiters especially in the u.s would go to like high schools and especially high schools in in areas of like uh higher poverty or like uh, a higher number of uh yeah uh, like minority ethnic people there it's the do something with your life thing yeah and it's yeah. like oh like we can get you uh we can help have you build a life you can you get sent to college and uh you'll get like the a military pension and you'll be able to leave and with a degree and you'll be able to like transfer the skills you've you've learned in the army or the navy or whatever and like get a life for yourself and like it's, it's a thing that is went on has been going on for like decades and decades and decades to the degree where like things like vietnam uh for, for the u.s had like just a high number of like uh black uh soldiers as part as part of that and obviously every subsequent like us led war ha has had that uh, thing and it's like it's such a it's such an awful like trick to take people who are in more desperate situations who are of like lower incomes or like lower opportunity and to to dangle this like carrot but like really it's you're going to become fodder for the war machine and uh you're you'll be taught propaganda of what like you're you're saving everybody's freedom like what you're doing is noble but really that's just to get uh the the soldiers in line and to have them believe in this fantasy that they are um like all that all of their actions are noble in uh, intent and that yeah. they're 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 freedom fighters and they're uh liberators uh where oftentimes the the goals of said war are pure capitalistic endeavors or just pure uh old school empire and uh like I, I like how that's represented here where like just people from all different walks of life like their their friend who is a uh, gire i believe or gira uh and like we have that great scene or scene, these great set of panels earlier on where they're all writing home to their parents. Yeah. Yeah. And it that's such a, it's such a efficient and, and condensed way to get us in these characters' heads with like, despite the fact that they're writing, it's very little sort of like exposition and it really just gets us into their heads and into their relationships and, um, we have like uh, I believe it's Bassem who is the son of a senator, and yeah, uh, his father has was a knight and had like really really like heavy pressures on him to succeed. So he, uh, just despite coming from like a super noble background and having pre training and stuff, he still has the pressure on him to to do what his dad did in three years in one year and to succeed and be the best of the best of the best of the best, and to to a degree where he is even like manipulated by the general general hendy who uh in a way uses him ha as like a spy but also like as a proxy uh a proxy leader amongst the the other other recruits 
And yeah, it, it's like it's there's so much detail and so much texture in in all these different relationships and how they how they play out. That like it does feel like a, a super like lived in world um, with people with very complex motivations and characterizations. No one is just like a stand in for anything. No one is like the plucky one, the funny one or anything like that. Every, everyone feels uh, like multidimensional and well, the world well itself. Rounded. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the world itself feels like it, like, you know, some comics, especially some, which are like having to do a lot of world building uh, or, uh, and a uh, set in like a fantastical location or like a, a big historical location. And has to do a lot of world building, but everything feels kind of too clean on page one, where it feels like the world was built Minecraft style just before you you turn the page on the cover. And yeah. this, very, it feels so much lifting. It feels like there's so much history stretching back for so far before you turn the first page, um, mm. that like there's so many half spoken or alluded to motivations or gestures at complex interactions from the past that like uh, it does feel like a, a really fun like alternate fantasy history um but yeah i mean there's there's a bunch more that be said and like i think it'd be cool once rahul can be on here where we can uh, maybe have a little spoiler section and yeah. uh, dive into some of the stuff that happens later on because i do think it yeah. pays off a lot of the stuff that's built uh, earlier on and uh, a thing that I'm not sure we speak about that much on here, but like flow, like mm. I feel like the structure and flow of this book is great. Like from panel to panel, um, you are propelled through this book at a pace where you just don't want to stop reading. Like I, I read this all in one sitting, and uh, I did, yeah, yeah. It was, it was just the chapters, like a chapter page would come up, and I'd be like, whoa, <laughs> like yeah. wow, I'm, I'm like I'm making my way through this at, uh, at quite mm. a pace. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's weird, it's weird to, uh, like, ha have a book uh, like this and, like, speak so much because there's so many, like, dense ideas and concepts in here. But, like, uh, that the comic, uh, the art uh, throughout the comic is so good. And I feel like all the, the characters have s such, like, a, like, good design to them where... In the same way that a good, say, animation will have like good, good design, where like you can, some of the character traits, or whatever, are just built into the look of the characters without it being cartoony. And, yeah. and I feel that that's done really effectively here, where like you can just go from page to page, and everyone's like body expressions and um, the yeah. way that they are framed within a panel just feels so so natural and it, it, it suits their characters so well and uh to the level of like even characters hairstyles and hair colors like it all all like fits yeah. and, and, and has this really nice uh like evocative world that isn't just like even though they spend a lot of time in like deserty areas and, and caves it doesn't just feel like a, a blank slate backgrounds there's there's a lot yeah. of um like i was saying a lot of texture there and and a lot of uh i know like a, a coarseness in the air like it's, it's harder to explain but yeah it, it definitely feels like uh like real and lived in 
which I guess is what, what I'm coming back to. It's very animated in in the ways you were describing with like the character um, character designs and the character um, expressions and and movements across the pages. Like when you go from panel to panel, it's very animated, and even like um, the the speech bubbles. Um, like the speech in this and the the speech bubbles and the way the conversations flow are also like incredibly um, animated. And I love I love the the speech bubble design, like the tails on the speech yeah. bubbles. How they yeah how they like kind of like spiral and and like swish and flow. And it just it helps with the flow of the book, and it helps you to kind of like. It 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 kind of it adds it all adds to the flow and it it all kind of like sweeps you along with it and there's some really really like well done action scenes in this as well like some of the action the way it flows across when there's like uh, sparring and things like that and sword fighting and things and yeah. some of the way that that comes across from panel to panel and it's just really well thought out and laid out and just really kind of like animated and just just fully realized and it moves so well and very deliberate lettering as well where like yeah certain actions will have like an onomatopoeia and other actions won't yeah uh, but like the way they're like led by the character's action or like the fate of the character it yeah. like the sound is filled out in your head yeah exactly and uh bubble speech bubble shapes to indicate like um you know shouting and and uh speaking in a more kind of like uh authoritative tone and things like that you know like barking orders that kind of stuff it's it's really interesting um and yeah it, everything's so well designed and like a, a lot of research went into this because i was reading like some of the back matter from this book as well because there's a lot of extras and like you can you can see that it was like a real labor of love and like a lot of research uh, went into this for like character reference and in the armor and weapon design, weapon design mm. and things for like historical accuracy. Well, not historical accuracy, but historical reference to build this fantasy world. Yeah, um, like, and you, um, even some of that stuff's built into like the panel design, like you have yeah. certain panels are shaped like architecture. Yeah. And you've got like um, these beautiful environments and locales that are like a, a really, really Cool, celebrate West Asian and North African culture in like a fantasy. It, 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 this is like a fantasy world inspired by those cultures and the, the cultural heritage of the people of these regions. And it's just done so incredibly well. And it's just so well put together and just so nicely um, realized, I guess is the word i'm looking for but yeah it's just it's just such a such a great such a great book in that way um and it is it is something entirely different and something i'd love to see more of because i really yeah. like it and i really i really like this world i'd like to see more of this world like i feel like at the end of this book like that's just the beginning and I need to see more of what happens with these characters going forward. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe maybe I need to see more of um, of what happened to get us to this point in the first place. Like, I'd like some history lessons. Because it's great. 
yeah, it's just it's just a really really cool really cool book in that way, and uh, I need more. And uh, so yeah, that is Squire, and that has been published by Quiltree Books. Uh, that's available now, created by Nadia Shamas and Sarah Arfagi. And uh, yeah, I'll edit that out and add that on. So moving on from there, we have um, a book that we were given a, a preview copy of. And uh, this is something that's published by Time Bomb Comics. Um, and uh, this is a book called Rotten Under the Snow. Um, so this is like Frozen in the Tundra, icy historical horror in the vein of IDW's Road of Bones and Sea of Sorrows, like that kind of stuff. Um, and it's set during the brutal siege of Leningrad in World War II. Now, uh, Leningrad lasted from um, September 1941 all the way into January 1944. It resulted in the death of one million civilians and Red Army defenders. Um, it's one of the longest and most sort of like brutal and costly sieges in history due to the number of casualties. And like, it... it it was like such a harrowing event in itself. Like there was um, like horrific starvation and intentional harming of an attacks on civilians. Uh, I mean, like if, if you want to get an idea for how brutal things really were on the inside of the, of the blockade on the inside of the siege, there was um, murder for ration cards and then even less um even less common but still it happened there was cannibalism um so that should give you an idea of how bad things got for the people living within the blockade and in leningrad at the time it's like a horrifying event in itself um and you know like the way that the, the people of leningrad suffered at the time um so yeah also leningrad became Leningrad after the revolution, then became Stalingrad. And now um, I think it's back to St. Petersburg. And yeah, it's just uh, this story that we're, this part of the, this, the part that we're in with this story takes place in November, 1943. So we're getting towards the end of the siege. A lot of people are very tired. A lot of it's been played out and a lot of it is very, um, hopeless there's a real feeling of hopelessness when you open this book and you get to the first page so i'm just going to read you a blurb um so what i've got here is uh it's set in uh so it's, yeah it's a story set in leningrad during the second world war but it's not a war story at least in not the conventional sense because leningrad is frozen under siege and haunted it's a dark tale um with uh, bizarre, where bizarrely mutilated bodies are found in the muddy snow of the Russian city and to solve the mystery and to stop an oncoming horror, a traumatized Soviet pilot with a terrible connection to what's happening must cross enemy land and fight what is rotting inside herself. Um, now, she would have been a, a, well, in the story as well, something else I wanted to point out, she was a pilot in um, a Soviet air unit that were called the Night Witches, which was a nickname given to them by the Germans. Um, 
and they were the uh, an all female military aviator unit um, of the five hundred eighty eighth Night Bomber Regiment, and uh, they were badly equipped, treated with like no respect whatsoever, um, and. You know, they used to fly these like rickety training planes that were like a, a like a 1928 plane design, which at the time was out of date and was, you know, like just shockingly um, under sh- like not the right tool for the job at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, they were they they were like heroes but for what they managed to achieve with what they were given and um it's just it's, it's such incredible um like mm-hmm. uh they, they they flew uh bombing and, and harassment missions and they they achieved such in, like it's such incredible feats um during the war with what they were able to do with what they had and this 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 kind of like lack of respect and lack of equipment that they had to deal with and they were given like you know oversized uniforms that wouldn't fit them properly, um, and like male soldiers were given like proper radar and and things like that, and they were given like rulers and flashlights and pencils, <laughs> you know. So they they had for what they had to work with, they managed to achieve incredible things, and they were they were heroes for what they what they managed to achieve with what they were given, um, and they were actually some of the most highly decorated uh, at the end of the war. Mm. Um, which is, you know, it's quite, it's quite interesting when you think about it and it's quite, it's quite a a cool story in itself. Um, but yeah, they, um, that, so she, she comes from this, this air unit and, uh, she is in Leningrad at this time, at this point in history, and she has something inside her, um, and it has a connection to what is happening in the city at the moment. Um, I'm not going to go into it much more than that because I don't want to spoil it because I want you to go away and read it because it's such an incredible book. But it's uh, it's stark, it's gritty, it's horrifying. There are allusions to, um, like, uh, like Nazi experimentation and um, you know the the it, it it lays bare the actual horrors of war and the siege. Um, and there's, there's, there's like this, this alien Lovecraftian element creeping in this element of cosmic horror, which is woven into the, you know, the existing horrors of war that are there anyway, with this period of time that we're dealing with. And it, it just works together and, and synergizes in such an incredible way. Um, much in the same way that we get these kind of like, you know, these, these actual, um, existing historical settings and then there's like a horrific element added to that in such a way that it it, it just it just blends in so well like with uh, the idw the aforementioned idw books road of bones and sea of sorrows this does something very similar and sits in a on a similar part of the diagram if you will with the the um uh, a similar part of the venn diagram where history and horror meet yeah, it's uh, it's full of wonderful art that's full of deep shadow and and grit and beautiful communication of emotion and like 
the just the just the, the communication through the art in the book of the toll of the war on the people like you you get the impression that everyone is tired and starved and and is is you know at, at the end of their rope so to speak i mean leon what are your thoughts on this as well yeah uh my thoughts mirror yours quite a lot i, I think that it has this really foreboding feel throughout and there's this way sort of it, I don't know the way like the transitions between memories uh, uh, and sort of things that happened in the past they're kind of like dreamlike in a way in, in, in a way that it's almost the I don't know like time is almost amorphous as, as, as you're reading it at times where you're seeing what led up to these situations what what um what predates and what happens when um the when when the beast is engaged i should say and um like all of that stuff is really um it's really eye catching but it, it has this almost like dizzying feel where you kind of feel like you're out in the middle of the snow desert just uh crunching uh, in the snow towards abandoned uh like war-torn cities like it has this sort of horrible cold uh, in the middle of the no nowhere feels like like hopeless type thing where it's like yeah uh, to a degree uh, people feel outstretched and like don't really believe in in this in this de degree of uh and i guess like people call it like superstition <laughs> uh, and like monsters and aliens or whatever. Like it, it all seems like, like nonsense, but uh, orders have been greenlit from on high to like, to, to put some effort into this uh, in a reluctant way. And it, I like how that element of it, you could see why people would be skeptical, uh, skeptical, and like doubtful of whatever this is, and being like, "What? <clears throat> Sorry, um, whatever. I'll just uh, I'll go along with this." And seeing them like interact with, like, get into the depths and, and interact with like what what lies in, uh, beyond the mist is. Yeah. And uh, it it, ha it like you said it does have this like like road of bones feel where it's like are we alone out here uh, is everything as it is um, uh, I really like the sort of sort of the green circuitry effects that we get when uh, this this uh, I guess power is engaged like it I, I like it because it's almost um, it's like sci-fi in a way that feels almost incongruent with, uh, with 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 the era, uh, but I like it. It 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 has this like otherworldly feel, like immediately, but also I think it like really speaks to this thing of like connection. How like um, when you go in and you can see, you can also be looked at type thing. And I'm and I'm trying my best to like avoid like narrative details in any like deep deep way, but I I, I do like the idea of it in, in the same yeah. way of like um yeah like a psychic uh connection like if you went into a, like a deep a deep meditation state and you engage with like demons or whatever and it's like oh yeah you better watch out there because while you can observe these demons they can observe you back and I, I like that idea of it where there's a cost and there is um. 
there's a toll that it can take and how all of that is married with this feeling of, of like guilt and uh, I guess like sorrow at like losing oneself and I guess a metaphorical idea of like how in war we, we all lose a bit of our humanity and lose ourselves and yeah. um, how like self-pity or like self-blame mm. is kind of useless when you're on a battlefield um as the uh the sassy sniper <laughs> puts it in in different words and I, I really like how all of it comes together and i really like yeah their sort of banter and relationship particularly and i like how like i was saying with sort of the transition between memories how like where we get we get yeah. like different extra bits of context when it's needed but none of it ever feels like uh here we go let's stop the story to give some backstory like i I like how it's not really like that and it's all very poetic in some ways and uh like it feels very i know like a bit it feels a bit more grounded which is funny to say in, in a story that has some of the things that this story has but the elements like that do feel grounded where it's like circumstantial and it's a moment and a lot of the times there isn't like a motivation between a moment it's just a moment that happens to you and you sort of move forward and it's like there's always various different elements in a history where an event happens and you move forward from it and uh, you sort of choose what to do with the way that those events in the past change you and then in this story like the effects have literally changed the the main character and um I like how all of that is, is filtered through like this particular location during this particular like mm. siege during this particular war. It all um, and comes together in in it, it uh, does an incredible amount. Wait, like uh, within anyway, ninety four pages uh, as well. Not feeling because like, this is under a hundred pages of comedy. neat as as a and as the what it manages is, to uh, achieve. It does an incredible amount and like get crams in an incredible amount of of information and story, and it is just like yeah, it feels longer than it is, and in a good way is what I'm trying to say. Like the amount that they managed to get in, and the amount of like the way they managed to expand time (laughs) within the story is incredible. Um, And like there's some really great pages. Like some of my favorite pages actually are. because my favorite character is Lubov, the the sniper, and uh, some of my favorite pages are um, where she is covering uh, the main character, and uh, we get this like this this kind of like snowblind scene where she sees the main character coming yeah. back from the building that she was uh, she'd rushed off to attack, um, and we we get these like these vertical panels showing this figure appearing from the snowblind. Like I love, I'm going to call it snowblind. I love the snowblind effect in the background of some of these panels, like this snowstorm. It's great. Like those, those couple of pages are fantastic. Uh, that is such a great point in the story and such a great bit of action. Actually. I really like that. It's such a great bit of character interaction as well. Um, mm. and yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it's just this, this, um, Like this, this this beautiful communication of the toll of the war on the people, and like 
people with hardened exteriors um and uh, that are you know and the, the tension and everything else and like it's a story as grim as the setting that it's in but it also has like a healthy dose of hope and healing towards the end with like what you were saying with the realization that yeah you've done these things in service of war but there's no use you know you can you, you are now what you are and you either do something positive with it or don't you know hmm. and it's just quite it's just quite good in that way in the fact that it's not all you know there is there is an element of hope there which is quite good i quite like that and yeah it just it just does a really good job of exploring the trauma of war and like the path that that people take through that um and how how that changes people and how that um plays out and yeah it, it, you know again those snow pages are great i can't get the technique used the technique there with the, the the vertical panels and everything else is just incredible i love it yeah how they like slightly overlap yeah that's that's that's, that's uh some of the reason i love comics is right there <laughs> I, I I really like how um like blood is used through this as yeah. well like blood splatter and the, like it's there's something about it like it's ever present but it it doesn't uh like it it's not it's not gratuitous it's there but it's not gratuitous and it's there and it has it serves its function but it's not OTT or and yeah. that's something the way how it is like on characters and stuff does feel like. I'm not looking for realistic. That's not the word, but like, just the way the the blotches and the Natural. patterns are done. Yeah, I guess so. Like, it it looks it looks great. Is what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. The way like blood's on it, but it doesn't look like blood drenched. Yeah. Uh, even when characters are literally like covered in blood, it has this really like just yeah natural look to it. How like blood like, is splattered on characters' faces and yeah. stuff like it. Just it has a really like like for lack of a better word, cool look to it, especially. With all the detail that you have in close-ups of characters' faces, with like different marks and scars, it, like it, it feels very like there's a texture, something, something tangible mm. in there, which feels nice as, as you as you go through. Yeah, and and wounds look like wounds because we get a close-up shot yeah. of a wound, and it actually looks like a wound. Um, like in a, it, but like it, it looks like a wound in a natural way. Like it's it's a uh, it it everything looks very natural in here, like like you're saying with the the blood and and you know like uh, the way that sc people's scars are and things like that. It's all very natural and very, um, very well rendered in that way. And uh, yeah, it's not it's not like a, a, a an icon or an icon representation of blood or a, a it's like a natural rendering of a blood or a scar, which is really cool. Yeah, um, and yeah, it is. It's a really great book, and you should definitely check it out. It, it's honestly, it's um, it's worth your time, one hundred percent. Uh, I totally like read it with like Black Widow level accents. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie, guys. <laughs> yeah, especially the sniper. Yeah. I couldn't help it. I'm sorry. A lot of uh, a lot of Kate Bishops. <laughs> At the top of your at the top of your lungs in a bad Russian accent. No, yeah, no, I I really enjoyed it and I liked uh, I like the setting. I like I like when we get to explore these periods in time in a different way. 
Um, and it's it's one of those things for me where it's like, this is why I enjoy historical horror so much. Yeah, yeah and like, just one extra like thing on there. It's like, it's all very matter of fact. Mm. Like, uh, characters dying or yeah. like running off and stuff like that. It's all very matter of fact. Yeah. It's like, thing happened and you you move on from the thing and that is very striking because like it's it, it, for a, a story set during such a dark period in history it's never it doesn't feel grim dark yeah it doesn't feel grim dark at all and maybe that's because of like the full palette of colors and the sort of tone of the storytelling uh, but it doesn't it doesn't feel grim dark or like hopeless yeah. in a way that it easily could considering like the atrocities that happen yeah it's uh yeah it has that that gleam of hope running through it like i was saying you know um so yes that is rotten under the snow that is written by kate cunningham um art is by mike bogdanovich we've got um colors by daniel viber um i think i'm saying that correctly if i'm not i'm sorry and uh it is uh, lettered by Aaron Rackley, uh, published by Time Bomb Comics. So that is Rotten Under the Snow, and I very much recommend checking that out because it's a really cool small press graphic novel, uh, 94 pages, and uh, it, it the amount of content it crams in within those 94 pages is incredible. I love it. It feels like a, it, it does, a, when you're reading it, it feels like a, like, you know, it, it's at least 150 to 200 pages long. Uh, for the amount they managed to cram in that was what i couldn't get past because i was like really it's under 100 pages but yeah <laughs> there we go so that has been uh this episode of ace comicals um you can find us in all the usual places acecomicals.com the hub for everything that we do uh we are most active on twitter under at ace comicals um at sdms talk to us about comics that's what we want to do that's why we started this podcast uh, I am on Twitter under at Bato. That's B A T T O U. Again, just talk to me about comics. That's that's why I'm there. Uh, <laughs> if you were, uh, if you check out any of the stuff that we've talked about today, or you have opinions on anything that we've talked about today, then uh, you know, get involved in the conversation. Again, the social media is open and there for you to yell at us with whatever you know, whatever you think about what we've said. <laughs> Whether whether you really really like Archie Sonic comics and think they're better than the Fleetway ones, whatever you know, it's up to you. <laughs> um, and uh, Leon, where can we find you? Can you? Find me on Twitter at Leon Everett. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that has been Ace Comicals. That is Ace Comicals over and out.